Welcome to the Breast Cancer Podcast. I am breast surgeon, Dr. Deepa Hala Harvey. And I'm Monica Brooks, a cancer advocate. And we're both breast breast cancer cancer survivors. survivors. We're here to talk about all things breast cancer. From surgery to survivorship, we know firsthand the challenges and questions a breast cancer diagnosis brings. We are here to tackle topics that impact our lives. Let's get started. Welcome back to part two on our mini series of breast surgery. Have you ever heard of nipple delay procedure? I had it before talking with Dr. Hala Harvey and plastic surgeon, Dr. Kale. It's a brand new topic for me that was a bit hard to wrap my head around. Let's listen in to both surgeons as we explore this topic. But first, let's learn a little bit more about Dr. Kale. Well, uh, obviously I'm a plastic surgeon. Uh, I've kind of been all over the world with my, or the United States, I should say, for my training. I recently came back to Columbus where I did part of my training, joined Dr. Tawari and Dr. Kochak, and I've been here for two years. And primarily the majority of my practice is uh, breast cancer reconstruction. I also enjoy learning about things not related to cancer. So what are some things you do for fun outside of work? Oh, well, uh, I do. I play a lot of tennis uh, when I can, uh, like yoga, uh, running. And so, yeah, those are the majority of what I, what I, when I do have free time, this is the majority of how I spend. All right. Very cool. Thanks, Dr. Kale. Now, Dr. Ala Harvey, you had shared with me that Dr. Kale brought this new procedure to Columbus. Tell us more about this. Yeah, so I would have to say we are so honored and such a privilege that you're here in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, the procedure that you brought to us in Columbus is a nipple delay procedure. And so for the people who don't know what a nipple delay is, let me go take a step back and explain what a nipple sparing mastectomy is. And that's usually the context that we use nipple delay. A nipple sparing mastectomy is a surgery where we remove as a breast surgeon, I would remove the breast tissue and we would leave the nipple area or complex and the skin envelope for Dr. Kali and his colleagues to come in and do reconstruction, whether it is implant-based reconstruction or autologous reconstruction, which just means you use your own body tissue. Um, prior to Dr. Kali coming here, we were offering nipple sparing mastectomy for these patients who are thin, uh, have like a smaller breast size and did not have much drooping in the breast. But it turns out, I mean, for as women, if you've had children, you know, there's a little bit of drooping. And if you gain weight over the years, um, you have large breasts. And so that's not a perfect candidate for nipple sparing mastectomy. But Dr. Kali brought this procedure. It's called a nipple delay procedure, which has allowed us to offer this nipple sparing mastectomy to a wider range of patient population. And so I'm going to let him explain what nipple delay is. Yeah. So a nipple delay is a procedure that we perform two weeks before the actual mastectomy. And what it allows us to do is that it allows us to expand the indications for who are actually performing a nipple sparing mastectomy on. And the principle behind how it works is that it sequentially drops the blood supply to the nipple so that when we do perform the mastectomy or when you perform the mastectomy, the nipple has a much better chance of surviving. So why is it so hard to save the nipple? That's a great question. And, you know, part of the reason why, so let's talk, let's think about like, why is the nipple affected by a mastectomy? So for all tissue to survive, it needs blood supply and the blood supply to the nipple before any surgery is performed, it runs not only along the undersurface of the skin, 
from kind of the base of the breast towards the, the apex of the breast, which is where the nipple sits, but it also travels through the breast tissue. So those are the two major sources of blood supply. So during a mastectomy, what happens is all those blood vessels that travel through the breast tissue, they're also removed too. So that nipple is, is dependent on the blood supply that travels along the undersurface of the skin to get to the nipple. And as I just mentioned earlier, the nipple is the furthest away from the starting point of where that blood supply begins. So that's one thing, it's the distance. And then the other thing is if you think about the anatomy of the breast, there isn't a layer of fat. So in all areas of the breast, there's a layer of, usually there's a layer of fat separating the skin from the underlying breast tissue. Well, the one exception to that is at the nipple. And the reason that's the case is because if there was a layer of fatty tissue separating the breast tissue from the nipple, a woman wouldn't be able to breastfeed. Mm -hmm. So because there's breast tissue that goes all the way to the surface of the skin at the nipple, you know, when Dr. Hala Harvey has to do her mastectomy, they have to get a little bit closer to the surface of the skin, which can impact the blood vessels that are traveling on the skin to the nipple. And so for those two reasons, um, the nipple can be the hardest part of the breast skin to keep alive after mastectomy. Okay, so here's what I gather so far. One, doing this nipple delay procedure allows a bigger population to do a nipple sparing mastectomy. And this nipple delay procedure has better outcomes for the nipple surviving. Yes. And so as a breast surgeon, this is very exciting to me, not only that we can offer this to a wider range of patients, but also it's exciting because during the nipple delay procedure, I get to find out two different things about the patients. One is we also sample the lymph nodes. It's called a sentinel lymph node biopsy, uh, where we inject the blue dye and the radioactive tracer in the breast. And that goes into the lymph nodes and we remove a couple of lymph nodes that goes to pathology for them to tell us, you know, there's cancer in the lymph nodes. So sentinel by definition is the first draining lymph node. And so there's cancer in these lymph nodes, then we will have to go on and do a lymph node dissection. So that gives us information. The other thing we do, and this procedure typically happens two weeks prior to the nipple sparing mastectomy. Uh, we also make an incision, the same incision that we would use for a mastectomy and go behind the nipple areola complex, remove some tissue behind the nipples and their optopathology. The purpose of that is to make sure that it's safe for the patients to get a nipple sparing mastectomy, make sure that there is no cancer behind the nipple. And so it's a threefold difference for me. In one, I get to find out about the sentinel lymph node status. I get to find out if there's cancer in the nipple, behind the nipple rather. It also allows the procedure by itself causes uh, increased blood supply to the nipple and to the flaps, which then allows the flaps have decreased chance of what we call ischemia or loss of blood supply. And we've been really pleased with that our volume of performing nipple sparing mastectomies has drastically increased, again, thanks to Dr. Collins. So. Okay, so I live in a very non-clinical world, so I want to repeat back what you've said, Dr. Hal Harvey and Dr. Kale. All right, so I'm going to have a mastectomy, and two weeks before that, I have this nipple delay procedure, which Dr. Hal Harvey does. And then what that does, or what you're going to do, you're going to go ahead and do the sentinel lymph node biopsy, which you typically do during the mastectomy, but you're doing it two weeks ahead now, so you know if there's cancer in the lymph nodes. You're gonna look at the tissue behind the nipple to make sure that there's no cancer there as well. And this also increases the blood supply so that the nipple 
has a better chance of surviving after the nipple sparing mastectomy. Yeah. And typically patients who are candidate for nipple sparing mastectomy are for patients who are diagnosed with cancer, the cancer needs to be at least a centimeter to two centimeters away from the nipple. Okay. And also typically women are not as large breast size or as large uh, like BMI in general. And um, for patients who are having prophylactic surgery or preventative surgery, this is for patients who are high risk or have a genetic mutation, they can undergo nipple sparing mastectomy. And of course, you know, there's different criteria as to who fits into, you know, getting nipple sparing mastectomy. So then the surgery happens and do I go home the same day or is it overnight? You go home the same day. The procedure takes me less than an hour to do on both sides. Two weeks after the nipple delay, where I come in, go remove the breast tissue. If I have to remove the lymph nodes, that would be the time I would be doing it. And then again, Dr. Kali would come in and then he will perform the reconstruction. All right. I, I absolutely follow this now. Tell me, though, what a nipple and what this whole procedure really means to a woman. Saving the nipple is one of the, the nipple is, is one of the more defining characteristics of a breast. And what we find on the reconstructive side is typically from an aesthetic standpoint, a lot of our women feel like their breasts look like their breasts before they had a mastectomy. And that reminder of having the diagnosis of cancer and having your breast being looking, appearing different because of that diagnosis of cancer, a lot of that is lessened by the fact that we can save the nipple. Nipple is very, very, it's very personal to women, right? When you look down, you look at your breast and you see your nipple. And losing a nipple areolar complex, in my mind, is a huge deal. Now, if there's cancer next to it, in it, that nipple needs to go, there's no doubt. But if you're able to preserve the nipple areolar complex from women in terms of their body image and just looking down, aesthetically speaking, when they look in, in the mirror, it should not be a sign that they've been through cancer diagnosis or they're having this procedure as a pre- preventative surgery. So if, if the scars are nicely hidden, so they barely get to see it, and also they get to keep their nipple areolar complex, that doesn't necessarily mean they have sensation. But again, I'm going to let Dr. Kali answer a question where also they do a nerve, nerve graft. The, the nerves that run to the nipple also travel through the breast tissue in order to provide sensation. And so it's just sort of the nature of a mastectomy when a mastectomy is performed, those nerves are also removed as well. And so one of the things that we can do specifically with our tissue-based reconstruction is that we can reconnect the nerves so that the intent would be the nerves would grow through the deep flap to provide better sensation to the nipple. Wow. This is, uh, this is, this is amazing. And I think that there's options for people who undergo a mastectomy. This has become a really huge game changer in our community for sure. How did this conversation go when he introduced this new technique to you? Like, was it in the operating room? Like, 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 you're like, oh, what's that? And he says, oh, you don't know? Like, how did this, how did this yeah, go? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm trying to remember it. how this happened, but I think he, you probably gave me a call and said, yeah. uh, this is what, you know, we did at the place where I came from. Would you be interested in trying out? And I, uh, to be honest, I was skeptical. Uh, and I think in my mind, I had to reason, is it worth for the patient to have another OR trip, right? So mm-hmm. they're going to surgery an extra mm-hmm. time that they wouldn't before. But I think what makes that okay, that step okay, number of different reasons. One is we find information of the lymph nodal status. That's a huge game changer for the type of reconstruction that they can get. That's number one, or whether a, a patient will need radiation after surgery. And the second thing is 
the tissue behind the nipple, anytime you perform a nipple sparing mastectomy, you want to make sure there's no cancer. Even though the mammogram or ultrasound may not have shown cancer, 15% of the time there's cancer that doesn't get detected on imaging. That's number two. Uh, number three, it's really important for patients to feel satisfied. And one of the, like we were talking about, if they really want to get a nipple sparing mastectomy, it's important for them to preserve nipple areolar complex. This procedure increases the chance that they can have that. And I, so all those things factored together, going to surgery two weeks prior to their mastectomy, it's, I think it's totally reasonable mm -hmm. and the benefits outweigh the risk. What changed your mind? Like when did that switch? I think happen? it didn't, I was skeptical. I done it on a few patients and I started seeing the results. And then I started calling him and I'm like, oh, I would have never done a nipple sparing mastectomy on this patient. She has large breasts. She's a little totic, meaning drooping breast. I would have never offered that to her, but now I'm looking at her in the office. She looks fabulous. And, you know, it just makes your heart happy to see that. And so we have seen several patients who kept coming back and also such a great satisfaction with Dr. Kali and, and their team. Now I think of all patients think, I think in my mind, if I can offer this procedure, I would. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's always, you know, patients that we cannot offer it to, you know, mm -hmm. based on if they are cancer patients, or even if they're, you know, prophylactic or preventative surgical candidate patients, not everyone is a candidate, but we try to think and, you know, offer it to all patients if we are able to, so. You know, and <clears throat> from my perspective, the world of reconstruction actually is, there's a few very significant changes that have happened sort of as I transitioned from training into practice, you know, one of those things obviously is sparing the nipple, which is what we're talking about today. There are a couple other things like where the types of reconstruction go in relation to the pec muscle, different conversation for another time. But, you know, as I started practice, I also was kind of of the mindset of it's, it's difficult to save the nipple. And there's, there's very, very limited population that could actually save the nipple. But as, as I learned it back in, in Virginia, and I started seeing the positive benefits, both from a psychological standpoint, aesthetic standpoint, uh, just patient happiness, mm -hmm. it was a significant game changer for me. And so that's why when I came here, like I was very aggressive about trying to save nipples. And that's kind of how the conversation happened between, you know, Dr. Hala Harvey and myself. Mm -hmm. And so it's just one conversation where it's just sort of like, well, hey, what do you think about this? You know, mm -hmm. and, uh, I think we, we did, we probably did one of the nipple delays together and yes, yeah, the rest is, yeah. you know, so we did a couple mm -hmm. together and the rest is history. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. So. so you talked about saving the nipple, but really right. the, how I interpret that is the outcome of patient satisfaction. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a big, it's a big deal. You know, I can't tell you the number of times where patients will come to me and they'll say, you know, I was really nervous about like losing my breast, but you know, when I look at myself, I feel like I'm still myself. And I think, you know, one of the mantras of plastic surgery is to <clears throat> is to replace what was there. And I think being able to save the nipple gives us the best chance of preserving what was there before any surgery happened. So I would have to say these patients look amazing yeah. and uh, extremely happy with their body image and how they look at them, you know, when they look at themselves. Having said that, I do want to say I have had patients who come in, ask for this procedure, thinking that they're getting a breast augmentation. 
And it yeah. has been a pet peeve of mine is a breast reconstruction is not the same as breast augmentation. But when patients come in, they'll bring pictures of the models and you know different people thinking that they can get reconstruction and look like that. So then what is the difference between breast reconstruction and augmentation? Yeah, you know, augmentation, any sort of aesthetic breast surgery, it's not only about making the breast larger, but also kind of repositioning the breast so that it's in based on, on each individual person's perspective. So in their mind that it's in a more favorable position, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that one position is better than another, but that's typically the goal in, in aesthetic reconstruction and in, uh, I'm sorry, in aesthetic surgery. And in reconstruction, you know, our goal is to reconstruct the breast so that um, not only it looks like a breast, mm-hmm. but also when uh, women wear clothing, it's not obvious right. that, that they've had surgery. Now, that being said, you know, there is a fine line between uh, in cosmetic and reconstructive surgery. It's not sort of like there's a, a clean line between what's cosmetic and what's mm-hmm. aesthetic. And certainly in the reconstructive realm, we also 100% think about aesthetics and our goal is to, is to do the best job possible. So, you know, it's not uncommon in the reconstructive world where um, a woman might get uh, a revision down the road to address some of the factors that say someone who's interested in aesthetic surgery. But to your point, there are definitely limitations in reconstruction that are not present when you're doing an aesthetic surgery, that sometimes it's not always possible to obtain that result. So what types of different types of reconstruction do you offer a patient? Well, it sort of gets back to patients' short-term and long-term goals. You know, there are three sort of categories of Mm -hmm. reconstructing a breast after mastectomy. The first is implants. The second is using Mm -hmm. tissues. The third is a combination of using implants and tissues. And typically the discussion, at least initially, talks about sort of how those different reconstructions work and what are the advantages and disadvantages of all the different types of reconstruction. And then with take after that discussion, when we combine it with a patient's goals, both again in short-term, long-term, from there we can kind of come up with a plan. So there's one other thing that do we offer patients. I think that's interesting to talk to. It's called oncoplastic reduction lumpectomy. So this is for a patient who has really large breast and has large cancer, but not really interested in breast in a mastectomy. Mm-hmm. And not everyone is a candidate for a mastectomy. And so then Dr. Colin and his team will come on board where I do a lumpectomy or a partial mastectomy, but I remove a large area of the breast cancer. And then they come in and do a reduction. So the patient gets not only get to remove the cancer, but also gets a reduction. And, um, and aesthetically speaking, they get to keep their breast. It, it's very pleasing, you know, less body image problems, and they don't have an implant, you know, foreign material in them. So it, patient satisfaction is also pretty high with that as well. How do other surgeons learn about this? Well, I think like anything, you learn either by reading the literature or you learn from your colleagues. And so for me, it was all the above. And 
you know, I think, you know, getting back to the question that you asked earlier about the relationship between breast surgeon and plastic surgeon, but it's also just about relationships in general. Mm -hmm. It's just that when, when you are in that community where you can talk amongst yourselves mm -hmm. about different ways that people are doing different things and you're open to it, mm -hmm. you're not necessarily married to one idea, like that's, that's, that's how you learn. And as mm -hmm. you learn, you realize you can offer things for patients where you wouldn't have been able to do that before. Mm -hmm. You know, when I used to uh, do nipple sparing mastectomies, the reconstruction uh, without the nipple delays, you know, I always have this, this fear that, that perhaps maybe the nipple won't survive. Mm -hmm. Whereas with the nipple delay, you know, a lot of that fear is lessened to a greater extent. And, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, that just sort of impacts the final product from the reconstruction. So Dr. Kali and his partners, Dr. Tiwari and Dr. Kochuk, they not only all have done plastic surgery residency in itself is very long, six, seven, eight years long. <clears throat> but then on top of that, this is after medical school, but on top of that, they are a microsurgery trained uh, plastic surgeons, which are, there are very few surgeons in the country who are microsurgery trained, right? It's a small community. It's a very small yeah. community. And uh, we are so lucky to have these guys in our, in, in this town yes. and to offer this, but not only they offer it, they offer it with their whole heart and really, or, I mean, we're really, truly so grateful to have them here, so. Well, I feel exactly the same <laughs> yeah. about you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank so. you. That's exciting. Well, yeah. thank you. This was very informative. And right. I know um, our community, whether it's surgeons or cancer survivors, have some information and some tools and resources in their pockets to, yeah. um, right. to help make a, a better informed decision. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so Thanks much. Thank me. you. Thank you for being here.